Brady, Brady. It's it's a joyous, joyous day. It's a nice day to be a fan of the San Diego Padres and this guy. What's his name again? Shortstop of the future. Yeah. Yeah. Shortstop of the now. It's amazing. Like I, I can't even I I mean, listen, we're stuttering. We just started a podcast. We can't even put into words. Uh it's just Padres fans have over the past, you know, or this off season, the past couple off seasons, um we're 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 almost starting to get spoiled now at this point <laughs> that all of a sudden these things are finally yeah. that never went our way. You know, I was talking to my my wife and she's like, "Wait, they they locked Tatis in for 14 years." She's like, "My entire childhood was watching guys like Gary Sheffield get like be stars somewhere else after they and like, you know, trading away Ozzy Smith and, you know, like every, you know, guy, "Oh, remember he was on the Padres when he was young, but then he got good and we couldn't afford him and we tossed him off to someone else and they they paid him and we didn't. Robbie because... Alomar, Fred McGriff, the list goes on and on and on. But this will not, not today. happen with the one and only Fernando Tatis Jr., who signed a 14-year, 14-year contract for $340 million. Uh, so the thing going around was like, you know, how old are you going to be, blah, 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 or what are you going to be like doing in that year or whatever. Yeah, you know, like I, I immediately thought I was like, whoa, it's like my kid is going to be getting her driver's permit by that that point. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So my son Beckett, uh, I want he's he's nine, and I go Bex, who who's the best player in the Padres? And he's like Tatis, and I go, they just signed him to a a, a long contract extension. He's like they did. I said, Beckett, do you want to know how old you're going to be when Tatis's contract runs up with the Padres? He's like, how old? I was like, 23 years old. <laughs> and he was like, oh! I mean, he's he's nine. Yeah. He's 23 years old. Like, you're going to be out of college by the time that Tatis, and Tatis is still going to be a pod. It's, it's absolutely bananas. And I, I, I honestly think the only reason that we're able to form any words is because we waited, you know, 24 or 48 hours before we recorded this podcast <laughs> to talk about it because it's just been a mind-blowing uh, mind-numbing experience it's just I, I i still can't even put it into words yeah what it means yeah i, I mean seidler what a badass yeah who knew yeah he's uh he's he's packing the money huh like i guess my <laughs> goodness you know like to to sit there and like say you know two years ago, three years ago, whatever, you know, that the Padres would have two 300 plus million dollar players on the same team. Like you would be like, you're out of your mind. No. Right. Like, if anything, you would be like, what did we mess up? And why are we paying 300 millions of someone else's contract on a different team? Yeah. yeah like that exactly. would be the guess. <laughs> How did we do this? Yeah. Oh, did we take on contract to get to get rid of somebody? Is is that what happened? Is that what happened? Did, no. Did we try to trade for one of the Mets and we absorbed Bonilla's contract? Is yeah. that is that why we're paying this much money out to someone? Speaking of, can they trade his contract now? <laughs> I, I I don't know. That would be great. Uh, I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, Bonilla, what a genius! My goodness. Yeah. 
guy just sits around and collects a million dollar check every year. It's just fantastic. Yeah, it's a, it's a good life to have. Yeah, don't hate on it. I so, I love it. So, um, you know, obviously there was some some backlash by some of the major writers. You know, you saw somebody say that you know a a a a a small market team uh, signing a Fernando Tatis Jr. isn't good for baseball. You saw somebody say like that this is going to cash strap the Padres for years to come. Um, you've seen all the Dodger fans, you know, tweeting absolute garbage. Um, like, what do you what do you think about this deal? Like, obviously, you and I, I think we're on the same page where we think it's it's. I think it's a bargain, to be honest. Um, but like, what do, what do you think about all the naysayers out there? I just, I honestly, I think that Tatis is fueled by this kind of stuff, and so I, I really think that it's going to be nothing but good for him. I mean, I, I think that. I really think that he's going to use this type of stuff. Like, remember who, who was it? Buried somebody Barry who's Bloom? that? Yeah. Who would yeah. say like, Oh, you know, like after the James shield trade, he's like, Oh, well, you know, it's a whole month in and Tatis is barely at the Mendoza line or whatever kind of BS that he would say. And Tatis would retweet that stuff. Like he was, he's motivated by this stuff. And mm-hmm. so I love every idiot commentary that says this is a bad thing. And, um, whoever that jack wagon was that said something, the ESPN guy, Paul, something he said, Fernando, uh, Paul Hembo, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Playing the next 14 years in the country's number 27 media market on the West coast is an objectively bad thing for baseball. And which is an idiotic take. Um, I mean, what is San Diego? Like the eighth largest city in the country. Yeah. But when ter- in terms of media market, it's it's a little bit further down the line there. Like it's probably well, yeah, it's twenty seven. Like, whatever, yeah. who cares? Yeah. But like he, this, Tatis is like, yes, this is amazing that he got this you know new new contract. But like he's he's got the the Gatorade deal. He's got the BMW. BMW. I didn't I couldn't remember what car brand, which <laughs> shows you that, that maybe they're not doing that good of a job because yeah. I couldn't remember immediately. He's the but, MLB, the show cover boy. He's the tops number, number one. one. And, you know, number one, uh, or at least first set of this new Project 70 series. We don't want to bore people too early with baseball card talk. But, yeah, it, it's just, it's fantastic. I love, uh, and I, honestly, I think it's fantastic that people are talking trash on it because I think that uh, he's he's going to just use it as motivation and fuel. Like, it's... I, I don't how you could think that betting against Tatis is a good idea at this point is beyond me. So, yeah, yeah I love it. I just feel, I honestly, I sat down with my son and I was like, buddy, you, you're so lucky. Like, this is not, you know, I know people say this is not your Padres, Padres. Um, but, you know, this is not the way that things have historically been done with this franchise. Yeah. And for you to be born and raised in San Diego and, you know, I was taking him to Padre games when he was in diapers and uh, for him to now be able to watch one of the most electrifying athletes that this generation has seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's hard to put into words. I'm Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, 
I feel like like when I saw the news, I texted you, and it was just mm. I feel like I was just going blah, 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 like like I didn't <laughs> know like what to say, um, and I did that to like a whole bunch of my buddies. I was just texting, just like oh my god, like all caps, just exclamation points, just the screenshot of the uh, the the deal, um, and uh, you know, like you said though, like you know we've as the as the as Padre fans like we've never been able to experience something like this like yes we had Tony Gwynn forever but like he never had like a like a massive contract he always took the discount to stay in San Diego um so like we were actually very lucky to have him for as long as we did um but like like even during the Ray Kroc era like he never spent massive amounts like in those days um on players like like I feel like we're just kind of just like hand picking players. Like okay, Eric Hosmer, you're the the biggest free agent signing this off season. Okay, like Manny Machado. Okay, Fernando Tatis, you're we're gonna sign you to the biggest extension. Like, like it's just I've I've never seen anything like this, and it's it is weird to like kind of experience it when we've been used to uh, something different for all these years. Yeah, fire sales and it, yeah, it's just. It's amazing. Even um, in '98, there wasn't like any like massive spending. Like there was, you know, uh, all all the players were pretty reasonably priced for the era. So, well, you know, it's funny. The, I actually think that this is like this is going to be a very reasonably priced deal for the Padres, which sounds insane to say. You know, like I immediately, I went back and I I, I went searching for when was the first time I said that the Padres should just sign him for a. A twenty-year, one billion dollar deal, and which you know isn't really that far off from what what he got. But uh, I think that you know, in the in the grand scheme, over the next five years, as contracts and teams and you know just as the wealth stacks up, um, there are going to be you know four hundred million, five hundred million deals. A lot of them, I think, that are going to come through. And people are really going to look at this as like, oh my gosh, the Padres got an incredible bargain. Not just on Machado's, you know, three hundred million from twenty nineteen, but from this, you know, the first giant signing of twenty twenty one. I mean, obviously, it's I think it's number three ever. Uh, Mike mm-hmm. Trout, you know, in twenty nineteen got the four hundred twenty six million, and then twenty twenty last year, Mookie Betts got three sixty five. Yep. And and honestly, like when you. When you think about like top five guys in the league and who should be getting paid this kind of money, yes, Trout and, and Betts have longer track records of proving themselves. But like those like when you look at those guys as the top three guys, Trout, Betts, and Tatis, like yeah, they should be the three <laughs> like those guys are amazing. So uh, I love it, man. I'm 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 just I, I'm so happy for him. Yeah. I feel like, you know when you're the son of a, a big beat, a big league ball player, you know, the, the pressure is on and, yeah, yeah. and for him to, I mean, we're not talking about meeting expectations. We're talking about far, far, far exceeding expectations. And when I, when I talked to, we'll get to this in a sec, but um, the, I read my son, the players tribune article written by Blake Snell and he was like, how did we get Blake Snell? As I, as I kind of talked through, here's what happened in the World Series against the Dodgers. And we got in, what does it mean to get a trade versus free agency? Like, you know, trying to explain all these kind of like high level concepts that a lot of times 
I have trouble following to a nine-year-old. And I said, you know, sometimes he goes, well, who did we give up for Blake Snell? He's, if he's such a good pitcher, how come we didn't have to trade away Hosmer and Will Myers? And you know, like he starts naming all the guys that he knows. And I said, well, you know, a lot of times what teams will do is they'll trade their stars for guys who they think, we call them prospects, they think they're going to be stars down the road. And he was like, oh, okay. And I said, you know, we had a really good pitcher on our team a few years ago. He'd had a great career. He wasn't that great with the Padres, but his name was James Shields. And the the White Sox at the time really, really wanted a, a pitcher, and the Padres were willing to part with him. So they traded him for some uh, a prospect. And Beckett, you know, my son's like, who did they who did they get that? Who was did, did he was he any good? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, his name's Fernando Tatis Jr. And he was like, oh. And and they're like and, he, and he's like, so what is the the pitcher doing? <laughs> I was like, I think he's retired. I don't like. Is James Shields even playing anymore? No, I don't think he is. He's retired. He, I, I feel like he's uh, he he's come out and even said like, "You're welcome to like the Padres." Basically, yeah. I feel. I mean, like his name is just forever. It's like, yeah, we used to call you a, a big game James, and now you're just like that guy that got traded for Tatis. I do feel yeah. a little bit bad for him, but my goodness, what a that was my favorite troll that I did against all other opposing fan bases on um, on Twitter when we would win a game, when I would make any of those little gift gifs. I just always had James Shields in a White Sox uniform as my logo in the bottom corner. So whatever the gif was, I just had James Shields, just a little reminder of who we gave up for what we got. Oh, amazing times. Good times indeed. So moving on. I know we don't want to move on, but pitchers and catchers reported. Spring training's about to happen. Like, I mean, it is happening right now. Uh, the first game's set for the 28th uh, when they're going to take on the hated rival Seattle Mariners. Mm, very hated, uh, yes. Hate them so much. Mm. Um, have you, like, uh, I mean, like, what does it, like, mean to you, like, Cause like I go to spring training every single year, but not this year. Um, what does it mean to you? Like for like baseball to be back? It's a big deal uh, for it. It's to me, it's just a, a turning point in the year um, that I get excited about. And I, I just think that, you know, San Diego being a one sport town, like I've always been, baseball has always been my number one. And in high school, I, you know, obviously I played, played baseball, but played football and excelled a lot in, in, in football. And when the thing that you're better at, it becomes the, the more of your focus. And I became more of a fan of football and watching. And then, you know, with the chargers, uh, when they left, you know, like obviously like emotional turmoil and all these weird, like, okay, what's happening. We hate Dean Spanos. That's terrible. And, he, he left the city, but really the focus, it just made it so much easier to not let my focus as a fan be like I could focus all my energy on on the Padres. And so it's when spring training rolls around, it's, it's special, man. And I, I listen, spring training to me, it is for the fans, the statistics, what happened. It's There couldn't be more garbage than people who – use spring training statistics to try to project what seasons are going to look like it's preposterous so 
but it is real baseball. And to be able to watch it, whether it's in person or whether it's on TV or whether it's, I don't know, as an announcer of bloggers take over. Uh, it's just incredible. So I, uh, it's a big deal three, for me. Three-time three time announcer? Three-time back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Yeah. Probably one too many backs in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's fantastic. And it's here. It just means that everything's like the Pottery social media team, I feel like, does such a great job. And, you know, all the photos that are coming out and all the new pictures. And then these guys are all doing Zooms and all of our media guys posting pictures of Zooms and clips of Zooms and listening to like people asking, you know, you Darvish about the Tatis extension before it's official. And he has to be like, who is the player they're talking about? Like he was using his translator to pretend that he didn't know who Tatis was. He was like, I have not met this player you're speaking of or something like that. Like it's just funny. So yeah, I'm pumped. I'm excited. I don't have the same, um, I go out every year to spring training that you do. Um, so I think that it's probably even more, powerful for you but um but yeah it's a big it's a big deal in the in the phelps family when uh spring training starts yeah i was uh i was lucky so normally i go to spring training so i've been going for about like the probably like the past 10 11 12 years um and there was just the one year that i missed where i tore my acl and that was the year that will ferrell uh, did the, I was supposed to be out there at that game when he played for the Padres. Could have been somebody. Uh, could have been, I know. Uh, but every other year I, I've been. And um, last year I went the earliest that I've ever been to spring training. And it just so happened that, you know, a couple weeks later, things were shut down. And I totally dodged the bullet there. I got to go to spring training, keep the streak alive. Uh, I don't without getting COVID in the process without getting COVID, um, you know, uh, but, uh, it's going to be weird not going out to spring training this year, but at the same time, I am absolutely stoked that they're back and they're playing, uh, spring training. There's always so much hope. Like even when the teams were awful, you still had hope because it was a new season and, uh, you know, it's just, going to spring training, seeing the players on the backfields, you know, all the, all the super, super young guys back there playing and seeing, you know, where the hype is real, where the hype isn't. Um, and it's just a fantastic time. The weather's always great out there. Um, beer is always awful. Food is always awful. Just a bunch of chains, uh, <laughs> nothing else to do besides go to baseball games and, possibly a hockey game if you can kind of time it correctly uh but yeah that's it's fun i love it well it's uh it'll be nice when things are back to normal and we can start just like not having a debate is this trip going to happen can i make it happen if so i just just let's get everybody vaccinated in the world and get back to normal that would be yes yes agreed um so you touched on it earlier, so let's let's talk about this. Let's let's save the the story time for for last. Mm, okay. Uh, you touched on it earlier, the Blake Snell Players Tribune article that he wrote. Yeah. Uh, we both like didn't even talk about it, and you just go, "Hey, did you, did you read it?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I did read it," and it was, both of us thought it was fantastic. Uh, so if you haven't read it yet, go out there and read it. 
um, but we're going to touch on it a little bit here. So uh, Cliff Notes version, Blake Snell, he writes an article, and it kind of talks about his game in the World Series. And you hear, you kind of go behind the scenes and get his mindset of everything. And then he also kind of, it kind of goes back even further and it gets to like a father-son situation in the article. Uh, why don't you tell me what you uh, talked about with your son about it? Yeah, so I read it early uh, when he released it, um, early in the 18th. And uh, then I was like, okay, I'm going to have to read this later to my son. And I it was I actually got a little bit emotional shocker um, reading it to my son. You know, there's a couple like he, you know, he's Blake talks about, you know, the journey with his father that he's been through, you know, where he was like the runt, uh, basically the smallest and, you know, worst player on his team as a kid. And his dad just kept saying like, hey, don't worry about those guys. Just keep practicing and you're going to be amazing someday. And he did. And so this, you know, talks about this kind of father son journey. But man, I I loved his authenticity in this. Um I love that he was like, listen, I'm not bragging to say that I was dealing in that game six against the Dodgers. And, you know, I, I'm sure we, we don't need to get crazy and rehash it, but, you know, it was last year's World Series, game six, he was dealing. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, the, he got pulled early from the game. But it, the it's the, he goes into the psyche of when he turned around and saw a reliever warming up at the bullpen behind him and how it completely shifted his mindset and mm-hmm. Kevin Cash, the manager of the Rays, you know, he even gets into that. He's like, listen, there's no, there's not some big controversial confrontation. It's like Kevin Cash, like he he's a good manager and he wants to win. He wanted to win just like we all wanted to win. He's got to live with his decisions just like I've got to live with my performance. Um, it turned out, I think, to be the wrong decision for him. But, you know, he he's like, he's got to live with that. And I'm not mad at him about it. But it got, as soon as he looked up and saw someone in the in the pen, it like completely mind effed him. And that was sort of, that was fascinating to me because it's like you kind of get to go into a pitcher's mind when he's in the World Series. Yes. And like obviously last year was like kind of a weird year for the players, like you know, uh, with COVID and everything. Um, but like for him to see that, like, like he's dealing and he's like he's locked in, and then he looks up and sees a reliever warming up. And then all of a sudden the mind starts running and he's just like, oh my God, oh my God, he's warming up. Why is he warming up? What am I doing? Like, and like, he's just starts to get like totally like psyched out. And it's kind of interesting because like, you know, like as kids, you always sit there and like act like you're, you know, I'm in game seven of the world series and playing and stuff like that. And it was just kind of interesting to like be actually in somebody's mind during the world series. Yeah. He talked about just how locked in he was the whole time and exactly his, but the, you know, and here's the quote he says, he's instead, here's what's going through my head. Now, dude, please don't give up a hit right now. Just get these guys out. Whatever you do, don't give up a hit. It went from being like, these dudes can't touch me to please don't get a hit off of me because I'm going to get yanked. Even if they hit a weak hit up the middle. And, you know, I could see how some people might spin zone that and be like, this guy, maybe we need to be worried about him if all it takes is a reliever to, you know, get inside of his head. But I don't look at it that way. I really think that 
there's a self-awareness going on here that like for him to be able to really process this and understand, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. And next time he sees that, maybe he's like, all right, I'm not going to let this happen again. I'm going to focus on getting these guys out because I am dealing. But I, I also think that it's different because most of the time, if you see a reliever up in the pen and you're the starter, it's like, you know, oh, I've given up a hit or I've you know lost a couple miles on my fastball or I've, like, it's not a shock to look up. This yeah. was a shock to be absolutely dealing in the game six of the world series and then look up and be like, why is there a dude in the pen right now? Like, like it was some sick joke. Yeah. So I really, I just, I loved his um, transparency and I, I don't, and here's the thing that I like too. He was so honest saying that like when he got traded, even though we found out he was going to the Padres, which he was thrilled about, he's super excited. He made it very clear how excited he is and how he thinks this team has a legit chance to win. He was like, it took me a couple weeks to not just be sad because Tampa Bay had been there for 10 years, not just my teammates. He's like, teammates come and go. You know that's going to happen. But I was tight with the clubhouse, the clubbies, as he called them, the clubhouse guys, the ushers, the, you know, like all the people who worked there that he saw every single day. Yeah. Um, you know, he's just, I'm sad. I'm missing those people because, you know, I believe that the core of everything of who we are is in relationships. And it certainly feels like that's how his approach was to, you know, going to work was building relationships with those people around him. And when those relationships get kind of pulled out from under you, uh, it's hard. And so, you know, he said he's taking some time. He's coming to grips with it. He's super pumped to be in San Diego. And I like that he's like, <laughs> I now I get to compete against the best again, you know, like in early in his career was the Yankees for the most part, you know, being in the AL East. And he's like, and now I can, we get to compete against the Dodgers. So he's like, I'm from a different league and I already have a history with them because of that world series. So let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's get after it again. I, I love it, man. I, I, I thought it was just really fantastic. I didn't expect both you Darvish and Snell. I didn't expect to like these guys so much. I, you know, I just didn't know that much about them. <laughs> But yeah. they're great. Like they're great people. Yeah, it's uh, I, I it was interesting. Like when you know, obviously the pitchers and catchers reported, the Padres were focusing on all these new pitchers uh, for on their all their socials, and it was kind of just interesting. You're just like, oh my god, like look at these starting pitchers that we have now. Like, do you just remember the days of like <laughs> Kevin Jarvis and Brian Lawrence and. Brian Tolberg and like all these schmucks uh, and we just had to like just go all right let's see what these guys can do uh, did you see uh, Mark Melancon uh, new reliever new Padres reliever yes. he took the, the reports were that he took the lowest offer on the table yeah or, or maybe not the lowest but he didn't take the highest is at least what I saw I saw maybe lowest okay yeah, I, yeah. okay Either so, way, didn't take better offers because he was like, I want to win. I want to win. And, like, that's, it, like, another thing, too. You're, like, sitting there, you're like, God, man, like, a player is taking less money <laughs> to come to San Diego because they have the best chance of winning. Like, that's insane. It really is. It's so great. Yeah, it's – it's what a whirlwind, man. This um, last couple, you know, years has just been – Wow, they're still they're so good. They're building, they're building, they're building. And even Blake in this article was like, you know, these guys were good before they got me and they got you. It's like, what? Yeah. And 
it's it's fine when i was telling you know beckett about all these new players my son and he he goes dad we st-, he said can either of the new guys throw as fast as lamet and i'm like i don't i don't think so he's like man lamet can throw so hard he could throw over 100 dad i'm like yeah I th- he does throw really hard and then and this is like it's so sad he goes dad did chris paddock make the team I was like, yeah, so far, he did. So far, so, far, so good. And, like, I, do you remember the argument we used to – so, 2016, all-star games here, uh, the face of the franchise is Will Myers. Yeah. And he's our all-star. He's on every poster. And, you know, it was like once we got Hosmer, it was like, whew, it'll take some of the weight off of Will and he can really start to flourish a little bit. And then after Hosmer, it was like, okay, who are we getting? Oh, wow, we're getting Machado. Oh, wow, we're getting Tommy Pham. Oh, wow. Like all these pieces around. And it's like Will Hosmer is like not even in the top five, you know, of like offensive guys on the team, you know. And so like, you know, he can just be himself and, and flourish, which I think we we've, we've seen like glimpses of that. And I think that, you know, it would be really nice if that same, like, okay, we had, you know, Will Myers was the face of the team, and then we brought in all these other superstars around him, and now they get all the, you know, media attention and stuff, and Will could just go rake. Um, and Paddock, you know, whatever is going on in Paddock's head and kind of hit from his height of, you know, just like going toe-to-toe with Pete Alonzo and embarrassing him to all of a sudden just like, falling apart on the mound um wouldn't it be great if like the snell darvish lamette and clevenger who's i know we got another season to wait after tommy john but you know if these guys just sort of like make him a back-end starter and who knows maybe he starts throwing like a, a top of the rotation guy um, which i think you know a lot of people think he does have that raw talent like he's just gotta figure it out up in his head and and so I, I sure would love to be able to say a year from now, like, remember when we were doubting Paddock? Um, and he just, you know, comes out of nowhere and becomes, you know, who we thought he had the potential to be. Um, that would be nice if there was a parallel between, you know, Will Myers' performance and Paddock's performance just by surrounding them with superstars, you know? Yeah. Um, I think I'm in the minority here where I don't, I'm not down on Chris Paddock. So last year, like, honestly, last year was, like, totally all over the place. Like, you look at, like, what we were hearing about Mackenzie Gore and, like, his mechanics were off. And that's why he never was called up. And then he kind of figured it out. And But, like, we didn't have any, like, minor league games to watch and see this stuff. So, like, we don't know what was going on in these players' heads, like, last year. You know, are we going to play? Are we not going to play? Are we going to play? Are we going to, like, okay, we're playing spring training now. Oh, we have this game canceled. It's just, like, it was constant, like, back and forth. So I don't really take stuff like that too to heart. Like, like I, I don't think his, like, career is over. I don't think he's a terrible pitcher or anything like that. I think that he's probably going to uh, – he probably spent the offseason training and getting dialed in, and I think he's going to come back this year and be a, uh, uh, a the pitcher that we saw that first year. 
I hope you're right, dude. I mean, he didn't show up dressed like a cowboy to spring training. Does that, <laughs> I don't, does that say anything? I don't even know. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't care about the cowboy stuff. Whatever. Like if you if that's what he wants to do, that's fine. His whole, I mean, that's his. That's who he is. Like he's, I, he's the sheriff. Did I tell you ever about when, um, what was? I don't know what the event was or just a game or whatever, but somehow I ended up down on the field and I was standing with, um, well, I looked over and it was a large man in a, and I, now I can't remember. I think it was like his whole family. I think his folks and his aunts and uncles or whatever were there, but I turned around and it was like his uncle or something wearing, um, just a full, like a white button up dress shirt, but, embroidered onto the back of the like with cufflinks and everything and embroidered onto the back was paddock's name and number 59 like on to the white dress shirt uh-huh and it was like you know cowboy boots obviously was it, was it like a western uh, yes white yes shirt? Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah yeah western yeah yeah i mean not western in like you know it didn't have i don't know whatever the weird the, western the, the pearl buttons no but it, yeah it wasn't pearl snap but it I don't know. It did look very cowboy-y. So obviously cowboy hats. And, but I was like, oh, they just, but, it, and it wasn't like a, like an iron, like they really had like letters and numbers embroidered into the white shirt. And I was like, wow, this is very Texas. Yeah. 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 Well, good times. You were mentioning uh, Will Myers and the 2016 All-Star game recently. Just mm-hmm. Look at you doing transitions here. Look at that. Look at that. Uh, I, uh, unfortunately, but fortunately, was in Europe during the All-Star game. I had it all booked before I found out that it was going to be in San Diego and everything. So I wasn't able to go, but a lot of people... <laughs> I didn't even know that. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, what are the chances that that happens to you, Rick? <laughs> yeah. But hey, I'm I, sorry. Was, I was in Europe. Can't, can't argue with that. I, um, I know it's great. It's just like it, and I don't say this to be mean, but like we had the polar opposite. For me, it was like, oh, the one year where you just happen to get hired on to be a pregame show host for Padres Social Hour is also the year the All Star Game is here and you have like media access to everything. So, yeah, I just couldn't have been more blindly lucky, whereas so you, you were, were as blindly as you unlucky. Get, and I got as far away. <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry, man. That is tough because it was what an amazing weekend. Uh, but anyways, one of the uh, most talked about situations or things there during the All-Star game was the 1985 Padres prototype jersey. Yeah. And you went into detail all about that. You even made the hats uh, with the mm-hmm. proto fryer. So uh, once you once you tell me a little bit about that and uh, what, what what else you got planned? So I, I it's one of those things where I'm like I don't even know where to start. So old school um, Andy Strasberg was a guy who worked for the Padres for 22 years, 75 to 96. Um, he rose the ranks and um, you know became the VP of marketing with the Padres. So as we know, as Padre fans, you know, in 84, you had the, um, you know, the, the Taco Bell 
Padres unis, the classics, you know, in 84 when they went to the NLCS and, um, or won the NLCS and went to the world series. And, and then the, there was a brand change uh, for the Padres and they eventually landed on, as we know now, the, the Brown pinstripes with the orange SD. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a, as you know, the, the only unique thing about Padres uniform history is that the amount of changes they've had, right? Like I've always said that, um, you know, you got the Dodgers and the Yankees and guys whose logo and the, the Tigers, who's, you know, changed almost n- not at all over the the history of their franchise, whereas the Padres have just been you know a, a every mess. Every couple of years, yeah, in uniforms. Yeah, yeah, we switch it up every year. And like on the the positive side, the the biggest positive that came out, like the fact that our little league, it, everyone is the Padres for the kids, is amazing. I mean, as a kid, I grew up. I was I remember being on the Astros and on the Cubs and on you know, like you had all these different teams mm-hmm. that you were on as a kid, and then. But now everyone and every kid in San Diego is on the Padres that's in Little League or Pony Baseball. Um, and it's like, oh, it's the it's the 69 homes playing the 84 roads. You know, like it's it's not about like what team is playing which team. Everybody's the Padres. It's like, oh, it's the current camos against the, you know, 87 homes. You know, it's awesome. I love it. And so that's the part that if we're looking for positives of not having any identity as a franchise, that is it. Anyway, when that 84 to 85 transition happened, unbeknownst to many piece here. So the Padres brought in Steve Garvey and Steve Garvey was the most vocal against those 84 uniforms. So 85 was going to come around and they wanted new uniforms. Right. Well, Garvey, especially after the home run, I mean, he, his presence and voice in San Diego became obviously a big deal. Like that one swing landed him a retired number in the outfield, whereas we all, well, I guess now it's not in the outfield. It's in over by the press box, but whatever. Um, yes. Garvey was a key piece of that. Um, thank you again for your transitional abilities. So, when this uh, when a major uniform change happens, as we know now, as they've gone to the Brown, we've learned all these things about all the test studies they did, test yeah. cases, was Brown going to work, all the stuff that uh, Wayne Partello did with his team, Ron Fowler, um, the way that they came to this decision. There were a lot of different jerseys that were considered before these jerseys that we now have before us when we brought back the Brown. You know, it went through a ton of different iterations and some went even Brown. Same thing back in the 80s. Um, I remember, I think the first time I ever saw one of these logos, which we've now come to know as the proto fryer, which was the sleeve patch, um, an alternate logo on this prototype Jersey, um, that was unveiled in the 2016 all-star weekend at FanFest, uh, which caused just a massive stir amongst all, all the nerds on Twitter, um, and I leading the pack of the nerds went out and, you know, joined up with, um, the SD hat guy and Tim and I, we, you know, made these hats and I reached out to a handful of people and we made a limited run of 36 of them. And it was amazing and awesome. And they, they can't, it took forever to get, but once we finally got them, it was incredible, but this Jersey and the mystery surrounding it. And then this story kind of came out about Andy Strasburg who had worked for the team. Once they decided to not use this prototype Jersey, he went and, you know, pulled a bunch, pulled it out of the trash basically 
And in 2014, Todd Radom, who's you know a legendary illustrator for Major League Baseball and all sorts of different professional sports, um, I had gotten to know Todd a little bit just through Twitter relationships and having lob shots as a blog at the time. And and we, you know, he sent me this thing. He's like, "Hey, I know you're a big Padre fan. You know, you're not going to believe this." And he sent me like a, it was a prototype of the prototype logo. And and I was like, what is this? And honestly, I was like, this thing is ugly. I mean, it was a black and white. It was all boxy. It didn't look at all like it does in the current form that we've seen it on the patch. And, you know, just the story and the legend, everything, it's really grown on me as a fan. I mean, I love I'm obsessed with it now. I Obviously, I made these hats because I was so obsessed with it. Made T-shirts, tanked. I made a bunch of stuff before I got the New Era hats. Randy Jones. In fact, geez, I got to find that. Um, we were doing Padres social hour and Randy looked up and it was like, it was a cheap, like foam fishnet hat. And, um, he's like, how much you pay for that hat? Like two ninety nine or something, $3. And I was like, uh, probably less Randy, you know, it was like an iron on, on the front of the logo, but I was yeah. so obsessed with that logo. I was rocking it. And he, in fact, I think it's my Twitter avatar. I think I'm wearing that old crappy i'm wearing the shirt and the the old crappy hat and randy pulled it off my head grabbed a sharpie and wrote number 35 on the brim which is where he used to write his number and he handed it back to me and he goes now it's worth something meat <laughs> i was like thanks randy uh anyway so this jersey i thought it was the only jersey out there i know brevity is my strong suit in storytelling it was a number nine jersey which everyone assumed it was nettles um and and that was that that was the jersey like we went i i went and saw the display i took a picture with todd radium because he was in town as well and he knew about all about the logo and he was the first one who would told me about it a couple years earlier now all of a sudden this jersey which is like you know kind of like the the white whale of padres jersey nerds that you know had shown up and it was just really cool to see like i i don't know that it would have been like oh this this is the best jersey ever that you know we should we should have switched to this instead of the brown pins um because i always thought the brown pins were badass um but anyway we didn't go to them turns out this last week i saw on ebay um i think was it you that sent it was it it was was gavin 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 ct2sd so gavin sent the text and was like hey have you seen this and it was a guy selling a jersey, not just any jersey. It was the prototype, the road pinstripe jersey uh, that was number six, not number nine. Number nine was the one that was displayed at the Fan Fest. And it turns out because they had to make, you know, they had to make a, a road pinstripe and a road re- regular, a home pinstripe, a home regular. So there were all these different variations. I was under the impression earlier that Andy had only saved one of those, but it turns out he saved a handful of them and sold them off to private collectors. And one of these private collectors bought it from another collector and had it up on eBay. And I saw it and I just like, I mean, I don't have a bunch of uh, money to be throwing at crazy things like, um, you know, prototype jerseys on eBay. But I, this one, I just I couldn't resist um, digging into it a little further. So I reached out to the guy. Uh, he, I was able to kind of just do a little bit of internet sleuthing and found his actual website, which the asking price was less than it was on Twitter. And then it had a phone number. So I texted him and called him and said, hey, my name's Brady. And I went through the whole thing. Ended up talking to this guy for over an hour. 
uh, just chatting, learning more about the history of it, uh, negotiating, and got him to a price that I uh, felt comfortable pulling the trigger. And you got it. Showed up today, buddy. Showed up today. So I now own a signed uh, Steve Garvey uh, 1984 85 prototype. Jersey. Yeah, um, I think you left that part out that it's it's signed as well by Steve Garvey. It, yeah, I did leave that part out. It is signed right across the chest. It has the stitched on uh proto fryer patch on the side. It is a road um pinstripe orange see, pins. See, that's cool that it's stitched on the patch because like I've seen some where it's like almost like an iron on or like crappy falling threads. off iron on. Yeah. And it has the pants as well. So it is a full uniform, not just oh, a jersey. Oh, you got the pants too. I got the pants. I, I got the – and both of them have Garvey's name stitched into them as yeah. well. So it is um, – Isn't that I mean, kind of weird? Like because it's already got the number. Like you, you know it's Garvey's number. Yeah, it's, it, is, it is weird, man. And there's a this is a rabbit hole that like I feel like – there are people who care more about this than others. And I could keep going for a long time because I've learned a lot about this, this thing. But to me, it is like a true sort of one of one. I mean, especially with the Garvey, with the signature, with uh, like the, the history behind it, the protofire, the fact that I went out and I was obsessed with this logo. Like I saw it in 2014. I thought it was the ugliest looking thing I've ever seen. Then I saw like the matured version of it with colors and I became slightly obsessed with it. And isn't that the way that we work as fans is like one thing we hate one day. We love the next. Um, but I, I just feel like this, this uh, uniform has been like calling me and to have one all of a sudden pop up, not just one, but like an amazing one with the central figure to the changing of the uniforms. Yeah. And the, the hero in San Diego from the 84 run having not only worn it for promotional photo shoots, um, but also signed it. Um, it's, it's kind of amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it's right. I mean, I got a lot of really cool memorabilia that I'm obsessed with, um, including a lot of, you know, vintage ball players. you know, I'm a Mickey Mantle collector. And so I, I've got a lot of cool stuff. I've got a baseball signed by Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays and Duke Schneider. And I think this Jersey is the most unique, uh, maybe probably not the most valuable thing in my collection, but certainly the most unique. And, um, and I, I just, I'm so excited about it. It came today in the mail and I'm kind of beside myself. So I'm, and I love it. And you're still married too. <laughs> I, uh, you want to get, you, you want to get into this? So <laughs> I usually, if ever, like, I kind of have like a number in my head where I'm like, okay, if I go, if I'm doing something above this number, like I need to talk it over with my wife, Brooke. And, um, when I saw this one, I was like, I just have to do this. <laughs> I was like, if I talk it through, I might get talked out of it. And so I pulled the trigger and then I wore a decent amount of guilt for not discussing it. Uh, with her and so tonight actually before the podcast i walked up i was like hey babe um i made a purchase and she's like oh god what did you do <laughs> and i'm like and i told her kind of the backstory and how special it was and why it's important and why you know i talked to a couple of collectors who um 
once they found out what it was and what the you know history of it was it signed all the stuff they're like dude you could spend that for double what you paid for it right now like right like you could turn it for double so you know as an investment not that that's why i got it i got it for the story and the history and you know just i the uniqueness of it um but i there was nice to have a little bit of affirmation that it was like instantly worth way more than what i paid for it and and so but when i told her i said i i'm committing to you that over the next month i'm going to sell um the same the value of the jersey i'm going to sell that much in baseball cards because i have a ton of them laying around and the market is rocketing so i need to empty it out a little bit so i said i will i will sell as much and you know she was not mad like i've never you know it's not like it's not like I'm like betting money on something and like, you know, losing our, our, our family's, you know, savings or something, you know, like I'm usually pretty smart and debatably savvy in my, uh, memorabilia type purchases. And, um, so, you know, spinning, uh, spinning, what was it? $160 worth of soccer cards into like over two grand. Even though now, if I would have done it, it'd be closer to five grand. Um, but you know, speaking of which, are you gonna send me mine that I bought from you? Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> They're right here on the desk. I haven't uh, sold them to anyone else. So, but here's the thing: like, so like, it's it's cool that something like that, where uh, you know the story has fascinated you for years. You're a big Padre fan, almost um, a decade. Yeah, and it's like it's cool that it's going to you and you're obviously you said you were going to frame it hang it you're going to try to get the hat in there somehow um that's it's just such a cool story and i'm i'm fascinated by it too i i want to know more details like like, yeah i'm going to reach out to andy there's another guy who has who was like who who bought them from andy originally and like i want to find out the whole story like okay where did garvey where where was garvey when he signed it like what is the yeah and that's what I, I I was wondering. Remember, like I was asking you, I was like, "Yeah, when did Garvey sign it? Did he like sign it then, back in eighty four, eighty five, or mm-hmm. did he sign it like, you know, last year, two years ago, three years ago, whatever, recently?" Um, I, I know, he, I know that it was more than it was more Garvey? than ten years ago. Um, that much I do know. Okay, and and here's the other, and the the guy. He said that he was very confident there was an article in in the LA Times that um, that had photos of Garvey saying, oh, like these were one of the considerations for the Padres new uniforms. Once they went with the brown pinstripes, there was some article that had Garvey wearing my uniform that I have in the LA Times. And he's like, I can't for the life of me find it anywhere. So and I you know I haven't spent any time looking at archives to try to find it, but I figure once I get with Andy, which I haven't done yet, and for old school lob shots uh, blog readers, Andy and speaking of Gavin as well because Gavin helped facilitate this. One of the other things that I was obsessed with, and I would love to drive around PB, is a Padres bullpen cart. And there were no photos on the internet of the bullpen cart until we went to Andy and said, you got to go in the archives and you got to find one. 
and he mm-hmm. did, and he found it, he sent it to us, and it exceeded expectations because it was that year. Remember uh, that Don Zimmer, when he was manager, the hat where the the Taco Bell went all the way back behind the ears. Yep. And and that's how the that's what the bullpen cart looked like because they would wear them. What was it like on Sunday home games? Like I wrote an article about it and I've forgotten all the details, but I'm pretty um, sure it's the Sunday home games. Yeah, but it was Andy who found that photo. He's like, Oh, I've got one somewhere. I know I've seen it over the years. And he was the one who found that photo. And that's then we put it up on lob shots, and that was like the first time that and then of course since then it's like all over the place. But um, but yeah, Andy's yeah, he, just a Andy did that book, the Padres Fantography, where mm-hmm. he had people donate or send in their fan photos. photos. Yeah. So like I mean, I, I got that book and there's a lot of super cool pictures in there. Yeah, it's like people's moms taking photos of them getting autographs from players. It's rad. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of beside myself. I haven't I haven't told anyone on Twitter yet. I haven't I haven't I know. made an announcement yet. So I threw a little tease out there earlier. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you like <laughs> I people I think people think between the two of us that I'm the the one that stirs the pot and it's not it's you. And <laughs> yeah, you took a screenshot I'm looking at it now like whoa, it's no longer available. Somebody bought it. And yeah. I wonder who. Wonder who. Wonder I who. I wonder who. Well, this hey, guy. I'm happy for you. Um and I I want to see that jersey in person someday, and I I will try to do some research myself, and I will help you with with whatever I can because I want to know more about it too. Well, I appreciate that, my friend, and I like, think it'll be fun. Like I'm curious. Uh, so you, we all, I think most of us know that the um the uniforms that they actually went with. They were designed by the same people who designed Giants. the San Francisco Giants mm-hmm. uniforms. I'm wondering, is it the same people who designed the Proto Fryer too, or was it like a separate company who did it? That's and a they were good like question. Each other. I think it. I think it's that scenario where it's they were going against each other. But with your help, maybe we will find out for sure. Maybe, maybe. Because I, I'm actually not positive um, on on that one. So. Yeah, before, I I think we've just barely scratched the surface on um, learning more about this jersey. But like, think about if it, like if one of us worked for the Padres and we saw that jersey for two thousand dollars, we would just be like, "What the f? Buy this and put it in the museum!" Like, like that to me, that is an absolute no brainer. Like, what a fun story! Even if you put it on a little plaque that just said like, "This is a prototype of," especially like uh, with a a team with such a colored history mm-hmm. of you know like what uh, you know the uniform identity it's like why would you not like uh, to me that's bananas that the Padres didn't just like go in and buy it themselves I wonder if they even like like if they have somebody who kind of like scouts for stuff like that because you know like maybe they didn't even know about it and they're like oh man like I wish we kind of would have had that but I don't know now some stupid idiot has it with a <laughs> stupid podcast and used to run a stupid blog and now he's now he's got now our he's, stupid prototype jersey. Now he's just stupid. <laughs> stupid, stupid. 
Well, yeah, hey, I don't know. It's very exciting, though. I think we're going to get more information. And uh, so tune in next time, kids, to hear some more information about this jersey and jump down the rabbit hole with us. You want to close it out? Hole. Hey, thanks for listening to the Zero Chance Podcast. Join us next week and every week after that because <laughs> we are always on time with our podcast. And make sure to tweet at Tatis Jr. and say thank you for staying with San Diego for the next 14 years. We're out. We'll be right back.